It is only when you take responsibility for your life that you discover how powerful you truly are. Alana Hunt Man's time here is finite, but the influence of a man is infinite. The question is what shall we do with the daylight that remains? Welcome back. Here we go with another book review, talking QBQ, The Question Behind the Question. This is written by John G. Miller. Uh, says, what to really ask yourself to eliminate blame, victim thinking, complaining, and procrastination. And up here says, practicing personal accountability at work and in life. So this is very much about personal accountability and strategies to sort of implement that in your own personal life, but across a business or organization. And John Miller, he's an, he's an author of four different books. Uh, he, he and his daughter run a foundation helping organizations make personal accountability a core value. And uh, he's a Cornell University graduate. So been in business a while. He's uh, an experienced man. He's got seven kids. So he's he's got experience in the house and outside of the house as far as uh, leadership and management, right? Uh, I have four kids and that's a handful. So seven, oh my gosh, that's got to be that's got to be a, a daily work. I'll tell you that. All right, so let's jump into this book. I've this is actually the second time I've read it. The way the book is set up, it's actually got. 39 chapters in 135 pages. So the way it is, is these little short stories or principles. He gets right to the point. And this is my kind of book. I get sick of all these books that have to be 261 pages when they only have 160 pages of good content. (laughs) So I appreciated this just being reduced to, you know, to the good stuff. So what is he talking about when he's like talking about the question behind the question? So first of all, he's basically saying that when we come up against some barrier or conflict or, you know, we're in a hustle, whatever it is at work, our immediate natural reactions as, as human beings is, is typically like find an excuse. And that's the first, those are the first questions we ask, like, who did this or why did this happen or when is this going to change like those kinds of things that's the first question and that's the wrong question calls those inaccurate questions i think or incorrect questions calls them iqs but then the question behind those questions is personal accountability right what can i do to help out and how can i provide value that's the type of mentality and type of questioning that he's talking about implementing in your life Okay, so he starts this book, not the very beginning, but shortly after the beginning, he, he tells the story of, you know, he's, he's going through the airport or something and stops to get a quick bite to eat. And uh, it was very busy. And this kid's cruising by with an armful of trays and everything. And he, he notices John sitting there and he goes, have, have you been helped? It's like, no, I haven't. Um, he's like, I'm actually kind of in a hurry. All I'd like is like a salad and a couple of rolls. The kid's like, okay, would you like something to drink? He says, Coke. I'm sorry, we only have Pepsi products, sir. And he's like, oh, that's fine. Let's have water with a lemon. Well, the 
kid's name is Jacob. He brings him his, his meal with the water and lemon. And then not just a couple minutes later, someone reaches over and hands him a cold bottle of Coke. He asks like, where did you get this? You know, and he uh, basically Jason or Jacob sent his manager to a nearby grocery store to grab him a bottle of Coke. So anyway, he, he inquired about this, you know, where he got the Coke. And, and of course, Jacob had sent his manager to get the, the Coke. So both Jacob took accountability and did what he could to help the situation. And the manager also was there to help Jacob and others uh, do what, you know, do what she could to help uh, the situation. Not too long later, John ended up back in this restaurant and he asked about Jacob and, and it turns out that Jacob had been promoted to management. <laughs> and he says, the truth is I wasn't at all surprised that Jacob with the way he thought would be so quickly on his way up the ladder of success. That's the difference personal accountability can make. Everyone wins, customers, coworkers, the organization, everyone. So that is why you want to be implementing personal accountability. And that's, that's what this book is built on. He says, here are the three simple guidelines for creating a QBQ. Number one, begin with what or how, not why, when, or who, right? You're not searching out blame. You're looking for like, what can I do now? How can I help? Number two, contain an I. Number three, focus on action. What can be done? Not, not who can we blame, right? He says, what can I do, for example, follows the guidelines perfectly. It begins with a what, contains an I, and focuses on an action. How can I help? What can be done? So don't ask why questions. And, and he gets into why that is not helpful. Now, you got to really be careful of context here. Because asking why and being curious is different on you know certain subjects or topics when you're doing research and trying to learn than when you come up against some sort of um, dilemma at work, right? So, ever heard these questions? Why don't others work harder? Why is this happening to me? Why do they make it so difficult for me to do my job? Why don't I ever get a break? Why don't people care as much as I do? Say them aloud. How do they make you feel? When I say them, I feel powerless like a victim. The message of questions with a why me tone to them is I'm a victim of the environment and the people around me. Not a very productive thought, is it? So he's he's essentially saying, like, don't put yourself in a victim mentality intentionally. And I think there's loads of research that could show you that living in that state of, of being is quite depressing, sad. It's disheartening. It's um, the opposite of empowering, right? So stay out of it. He says, when I play victim, who am I serving? I'll give you a second to answer that question. Who are you serving when you play victim? I think a lot of you probably said you, you're serving yourself, but he says you're serving no one, not even yourself. So do what you can to get out of those questions of, of victimhood and live in an empowering state of being. What can I do? What action can I take now to improve the circumstances that I'm up against? All right, moving on. Why is this happening to me? Stress is a choice. Do you buy that? Some people have a hard time with the idea. I just posted this on Instagram the other day. Like, is stress a choice? He says, the truth is different people have different reactions to the same situation. Stress is a choice. Stress is also the result of our choices, right? So you're 
your current state is an accumulation of your past choices to a large degree, right? Now, sometimes things happen out of our control that can cause difficulty and stress. But um, barring any unusual circumstances, most of your life that you're currently living is in, is in a sum of past decisions, right? And your future will be as well. And so make better choices, take better actions, stay in an empowered state and your, your level of stress goes down. Focus on the things that you can change and don't, you know, don't worry about the rest. All right. So a bit on creativity. I kind of liked this. He says, most of us have heard the saying, creativity is thinking outside the box. There's a lot of truth in that, but to me, true creativity is this, succeeding within the box, hitting targets, reaching goals, doing the job well, and making a difference with what we already have is the QBQ way, right? He says like every organization is imperfect. It's got a shortage of tools, resources, personnel, right? It's like, um, I love entrepreneurship partly because of the chaos. So it requires you to wear multiple hats and think of different things. And it gives you like a fresh view every so often, because as they say, it's like jumping off a cliff and building the plane on the way down. Right. And it's like, there's this rush that can cause pressure to get things done, but there's also this need for creativity and to use, you know, what you have at your disposal to get the job done, even if it's not everything you would ideally have, right? So he says, ironically, succeeding with what we have makes us more likely to get the things we wanted in the first place. So listen to the wisdom of Deb Weber of State Farm Insurance. I find that every time I do the job with the tools I have, I tend to receive more tools. It's a truth. We sow, then we reap. Focusing on on what we don't have is a waste of time and energy and kills innovation. To really make a difference, let's instead focus our energy on succeeding within the box. Let's ask the QBQ, how can I achieve with the resources I already have? Very well stated. He has a section on like, don't ask who and why that's a problem in essentially every company, right? It's like, who done it? Trying to find blame, like blame and who done it questions solve nothing. They create fear, destroy innovation, inhibit teamwork, build walls and prevent people from engaging. Instead of brainstorming and working together to get things done, we blame storm and accomplish nothing. So it's, it's the opposite of personal accountability, right? And it can happen at every level. I've been the, I've been on uh, the end of, of blame, blame storming and it's not fun for anyone. And in the end, you spend hours and hours of investigative work to figure out who done it. And then you still just have to get back to all the work you missed. And, and it's just not helpful, right? He says, accountable people look for solutions, not scapegoats. They blame no one, not even themselves thought that was intriguing, right? They don't even blame themselves. You're not trying to pin this on somebody. You're looking for solutions. Under the section of ownership, he ends the chapter with saying this, ownership, a commitment of the head, heart, and hands to fix the problem and never again affix the blame. Never again affix the blame. (laughs) Okay. Um, I enjoyed this little bit, right? The fu- the foundation of teamwork. We have books upon books about teamwork, and yet we still struggle. 
because teamwork is filled with dichotomies. It's like you want people you can work well with, but you tend to work the best with people who are similar to you and have similar thought patterns. Therefore, you don't get challenged or you only have one sort of strength or a few areas of strength. So you actually want diverse teams, people with diverse backgrounds and skill sets and educations. But then there's conflict because you guys see things differently, right? And it's like, okay, so how do we get through these barriers? And anyway, it's endless. Like teamwork is difficult. Your job's over here, stay in your lane but I need to know what you're doing because my lane is affected by your lane. Anyway, right? Teamwork. He says, would you watch a bald eagle soar and say, I wish he could swim the seas like a dolphin? Would you look at a dolphin and hope it someday might reach the heavens like a giraffe? Would you think, why can't the lion run as fast as the cheetah? No, of course not. How ridiculous. Are you on teams with people who are different from you? A client, a friend, Bob Elgin, former vice president of operations for St. Jude Medical Center, once said to me, a true teammate is someone who can look right through you and still enjoy the view. Want to strengthen your team? Here's an excellent QBQ to get you started. How can I appreciate people's gifts and strengths just as they are? I think this chapter is critical for everyone. An integrity test is the title. Here's an integrity test for everyone who's part of an organization. Does what we say about our organization while we're at work match what we say at home? If it's positive at work and negative a few hours later, we have a choice to make. Here's an idea we should all consider. Believe or leave. I don't mean for the statement to sound harsh, but if your organization is no longer a vehicle to help you reach your life goals, why stay? Interesting, right? If you're a motivated, accountable person, and you are in a place where you're not motivated, you're not bought in, you don't believe in the leadership, the organization, the purpose, the, you know, you don't have the passion. Why are you there? And that's a tough question, right? A lot of people probably would say because the paycheck or the stability or the security or the benefits, those things all exist in other places too, where you could be bought in and giving your best and helping the company have a culture of accountability and strength and passion and drive, and you would also have it in your own life. So don't sell yourself short and don't don't, uh, destroy a company or uh, someone else's organization because you are not bought in. Now, I've spoken of this topic uh, before, and I think Jim Rohn puts it in a really good way. He says, it's all risky, right? This is chapter 29. He says, the risk of doing nothing. It's all risky, right? In the stock market, if you bet on the market, there's a chance it's going to go down, right? But if you don't invest in the stock market and you keep your money in cash, it's pretty much guaranteed to go down. So which one is more risky? Well, actually, cash is historically more risky than the stock market, right? So whether you act on one or the other, you're taking on a certain amount of risk, especially today. It's all risky today. We basically are seeing a 7% inflation rate and the stock market is coming off of a, you know, a run like never seen before. It seems like both are going to go down. (laughs) So it's all risky. What are you going to do? Right? Uh, So he's saying that the risk is greater when you take no action than when you do take action. When you take action and take risks, you risk certain things, being wrong, being humiliated, whatever, but you also are 
giving yourself the opportunity for recognition, reward, uh, progress, growth, right? He says, action, even when it leads to mistakes, brings learning and growth. Inaction brings stagnation and atrophy. Action leads us towards solutions. Inaction does nothing and holds us in the past. Action requires courage. Inaction often indicates fear. Action builds confidence. Inaction, doubt. Action moves us forward in life. Inaction allows procrastination, that friend of failure, to win. I mean, that's a list that we should all post on our walls or mirrors and read every day, right? Action promotes all these positive behaviors and gives opportunity, whereas inaction is completely stuck in the past, allows for no progress, and is likely to get you fired or demoted at some point, right? The cornerstone of leadership. I'm going to start at the end of this one. He says, humility is the cornerstone of leadership. And he goes back to the story I told you before about the the uh, gentleman, Jacob, who sent his manager to get the Coke for him, right? So now he's talking about that Jacob's not the only one that had accountability and, and took action in the moment. His manager did too. And he said, she didn't say, you succeed and then I'll serve you, but rather I'll serve you so you can succeed, not I'm the boss, so you're here for me. But as a leader, I'm here to help you reach your goals. Servant leadership is the QBQ way. I've said this many times on the podcast. When you're in a services industry and you have certain frontline workers serving your client, that essentially means everyone behind them, whether that's above them or however your organization is structured, is there to support those who support your client and not the other way around. And what happens a lot in business is the frontline workers are sort of like the bottom of the totem pole, right? So the managers and managers, managers and everything, they want reports. They want understanding what's going on down there, what's going on down there, right? And so it's like always reporting, always reporting. And then they'll create tools or processes and say, implement this it may or may not fit their workflow well. It may or may not serve their client well, but the feedback is not great, right? Instead of sort of saying, okay, here's our business. You're the one serving our clients. Let's have an open line of communication and support so that I can make sure that you have everything you need to support our client so that we as an organization are given the best customer service, holding on to clients longer, maximizing profits, et cetera, right? And the frontline workers are not just the sort of pawn getting bounced back and forth. All right, let me give you a couple more things before I shut it down here. He says, the spirit of the QBQ, there's a difference between the letter and the spirit of the law, right? He says, using the same concept in our case, the letter of the QBQ would be the guidelines, all QBQs. Number one, begin with what or how, not why, when, or who. Number two, contain an I, not they, we, or you. Number three, focus on action. Now, the spirit of the QBQ is personal accountability. So no more victim thinking, complaining, procrastinating, or blaming. I can only change me and I take action. All right, so this is about taking action. This is about saying, I am currently in this situation, not who created this, not how did I end up here, not why me, but 
since I'm here and I'm here to serve and I'm here to be accountable and I'm here to do what I can to contribute to this situation in society, what can I do to take action right now? Now, the last thing, and this is like almost the last bit in the book, he says, the motor of learning. Repetition is the motor of learning. So he tells you to reread his book. He says, so now that you've finished the book, go read it again. And I actually really liked that ending because we need, you know, when we're talking about accountability, this is, this is going to take some time. It's going to take repetitions, just like getting better at shooting free throws or training in a new employee or whatever you're doing. Uh, repetition will make you better. When you give essentially the same presentation to clients multiple times after three or four times, you really got a rhythm and you can just knock it out of the park. And you're also ready to field um, more questions or, you know, surprises. And it's not as difficult to sort of field those questions and then get right back in rhythm. Uh, So personal accountability is no different. Start asking these questions. When you start asking why questions, make that your trigger to say, oh yeah, I'm going to victim. I need to get out of victim and see what actions I can take and then ask the question, what can I do now, right? Anyway, I thought this book was a very nice um, layout of of strategy on how you can uh, take accountability in your lives and, and implement it in your family and in your business and whatever position you are. It literally is like an hour read or maybe a, a bit more. So it's a nice book to sort of pull out once in a while and just refresh your memory. You can really knock it out in one sitting if you if you spend a little time. And so a uh, great book. John Miller, he's written three other books that um, I've not read. So I think we should probably all get those and check those out as well. Uh, if you want the book, I'll put the link in the show notes so that you can purchase it from Amazon there. Again, I appreciate you guys tuning into the show. If you want to help me out, please you know, subscribe, give a review, share this content, help me uh, reach a larger audience and continue to grow the show. And I appreciate you guys stopping by. We'll catch you on the next one. Hey, thanks for listening to the entire episode. As a token of gratitude, I want to give you a discount on my book, Ingrained. Head over to bronsonwilkes.com store and download Ingrained for less than a dollar with the coupon code GOALS, G-O-A-L-S.